of living in Southeast Asia, I had the opportunity to host someone named Brian Stiller. You might have heard of this guy. He has the fanciest job title I had ever heard. Um, I was nervous to host him just because he was known as the Global Ambassador for the World Evangelical Alliance. That, is that even something? I don't know. Um, he hangs out and has hung out with the guys like the Pope. And he was going to come, and I, little old Andrew was going to host him. So I'm driving around doing errands, going to pick him up that afternoon. And on my route, um, a punk kid in a scooter tried to pass me on the left-hand side, clipped the front of my car, scooter goes flying, kid goes flying, complete disaster. I get out. There's already a crowd because I'm white and uh, not too many white people around. So there's a crowd. A few minutes later, the, he's a pretty young guy. His dad shows up. And I knew I was in a little bit of trouble when a few minutes later the police showed up and the first thing the policeman did was go to the dad and gave him a big hug. Yeah, tough situation. Andrew, he didn't receive my hug. Um, the cops came and they surveyed the situation. They had little white chalk and they drew like murder scenes around the bike and stuff and measured things out with like tape measures. No idea why. And they came and they put their hands out and said, give us your keys. So I gave him the keys, um, he gave them to his henchmen, and they took off in my vehicle. And I have no idea what's going on. Um, then the policeman said, okay, go to the house, figure it out, and you can have your car back when you figure it out. I'm like, that, <laughs> that doesn't seem like that would work in Grand Prairie. Um, who knows, maybe you guys have gotten nicer since I lived here. Um, just joking. So... I go to these guys' house, and they're in a simple abode, just cinder block wall, 12 by 12 room, where clearly the whole family sleeps. And there's a bowl of rice in the center, and just a family wrapped around, honestly, probably just to see the spectacle as to what's about to happen. And I don't know what's going to happen. I brought a friend along to help in negotiations, and for hours, we just talked about everything under the sun, our families, our friends, the business, blah, blah, blah. And eventually, it came to the time where I'm like, hey, big boss man Brian Stiller is waiting. I got to go. And uh, it wasn't received so kindly. The demeanor changed and the dad, who's the spokesperson, stops and he's like, we're going to have to do a ceremony. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what that means. Like right now, what kind of weird ceremony am I about to be involved with? And he's like, no, it's going to cost $10,000. I'm like, whoa, for what? And he's like, oh, to appease the spirits. And I'm like, those spirits are a ripoff, eh? And two, I don't have $10,000, so, like, this isn't going to happen. And I lean my buddy, I'm like, hey, ex explain the situation, neg negotiate it down, let's get going. Um, buddy talks for a little while, he leans over and whispers in my ear, Andrew, how much can you pay? I'm like, dude, you are my friend. You are a bad negotiator and maybe a bad friend right now. I had a great idea. My insurance company is like a block away. I call them. Guy scooters over, three sentences later, he leans over and no joke in my other ear, Andrew, how much can you pay? Like, you guys are bad. Um, I have no friends here. And so I start negotiating myself. And I'm like, let it be known, I didn't do anything wrong. This kid is at fault. He should be paying. But I need to get going. There's just some scratches on my car, don't worry about it. Um, and I'll tell you what, just to get out of here, I'll give you all the money in my wallet. There's only like $100. The dad nods his head in agreement. I'm like, okay, great. We go to the police station. 
There they have two tickets ready. They give one to me and they give one to the dad. And I need to borrow money from my buddy because I already gave all my money away. I pay my ticket and the policeman explains to the dad and I'm like, oh, at least we agreed buddy did something wrong. And then slowly, in agreement, the dad turns to me and the policeman turns to me and they give me the ticket to pay. I'm like, this is crazy. I had no choice. I paid it. By the way, I missed picking up Ryan Stiller. He found his own way with his wife. Um, and it took me like several days of replaying this situation. Because I'm like, this is a weird thing that I spent half a day before a really important thing. I was like, what's up with this? Romans 5.8 says this. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Guys, I was the only person who could pay in the situation. And similarly for all of us, Jesus is the only one that can pay. For every one of us. There's nothing we can do in of ourselves. There's no skill, there's no gifting we can acquire and do for the greater good outside of who Jesus is that'll great that'll bring true healing, true meaning, true glory to the world. So it's only through God's grace. And my mindset about generosity, about justice, like justice isn't about revenge. It's not about getting even. It's about going the full other side of things, saying, hey, it's your fault. Can I pay for you? It's about looking at the poor and saying, hey, you're poor. Can I serve you? And my life, and it was already pretty self-sacrificing. I mean, I'm living overseas, but I had this realization and I had a choice to make that because Christ first served me, that he paid my penalty, man, I can, I can do everything. My energy, my resources, my skill, my relationships, everything I am, can I use that to serve others for the glory of God? You know, Caleb, Pastor Caleb, bass player Caleb, uh, sent me 1 Peter 4.10 to consider in, in talking to you guys. And it says this, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. It's not just saying use the gifts you have. It's saying use the gifts that you've received. You've received them by grace, now go give them freely. Go graciously give them to the whole world. Don't just hone them in. Don't think that you acquired it yourself. You didn't. It's only received by God's grace. And now what are you going to do with it? Because you all have gifts and you all have skills to, to give and to share with this body, if not a greater body out in the community. So for the last 12 years, we're all older. I've been doing this 12 years. My wife and my family and this annoying little puppy um, have been serving alongside a team in Southeast Asia to specifically break the cycle of human trafficking. And it's a complex issue that warrants a complex solution, especially in the political climate we find ourselves. You're allowed to be a Christian, but you're not allowed to share that faith with the people around you. So our safe homes are the only safe homes, faith-based safe homes in the entire country helping girls coming out of the most tragic and traumatic situations that you can imagine. We have a small team. We just have 10 to 15, honestly, tiny little Asian girls, um, 20 to 30 years old, typically single, and they do it all. 
They use every single gifting and capacity that they have, and in bravery, do crazy things that you and I would be like, that is crazy. They do prevention. Just last year, they went, scoured the country, which is like jungle, really. There's not great infrastructure to get to these places. And they've done training for over 3,000 people just last year in anti-trafficking training. They have another crew that serves in outreach. So they'll go to brothels in the daytime. They'll paint the girls' nails. They'll do hair of girls who are in prostitution or exploitation. And uh, they'll do that or teach them about HIV. And they'll go in there to the disguise of nurses. And they'll do whatever they need to do to serve the people they want to serve. They'll do whatever it takes. Are you doing whatever it takes or are you just kind of waiting for the moment to happen? We have another team that does actual intervention or rescue. And, and we had a CMA uh, couple move overseas maybe four or five years ago and he was ex-military and a policeman in Ontario in drug and human trafficking. And he came in the first time he saw our team was doing this really complex. It was like drop money in location A. All the while we're doing like this people, this person transfer in, in location B. And he was like, man, this is like scary. He's like a cop for like 10, 15 years. He's like, I wouldn't do this. Stopping at nothing to serve the people you're called to serve. And then where most of our energy goes too, as with most ministries like this, is aftercare. And so, no matter how long a girl has had trauma inflicted in her life, it's now a lifelong journey to healing in Jesus. And so we have 40 girls, like it said, in four safe homes, girls from seven years old to 25 years old. And our team does everything to care for them in the deepest sense of the word care. They counsel them. They're moms to them. They take them to school. They counsel them. They teach them guitar. They teach them how to worship. They teach them how to be friends. They teach them how to be kids. And all the while, they train them in the word every day, making disciples for Christ. Teaching them that the only way of healing from their trauma is Jesus. Which is true for them, and it's true for your life. It's true for the hurt part of your life which might be decades old, and it might have happened last week, but it's still the same truth that Jesus is the one who heals, and only Jesus. So with that said, our small team is nimble, and they do a lot with the gifts and skill set that God has so graciously given to them for this time. And there's no social sciences, there's no like psychology degrees or anything like that. They literally just read the Bible, live life by the Holy Spirit, and help where they can. And through that, through all this work, they bring justice to the nations, one girl, one broken girl at a time. Now, I'm, I'm just a small piece of the puzzle, mainly used to help resource them in their dreams. But since 2009, my first time, it was at the old Grand Prairie Alliance Church, behind those weird folding doors by the kitchen, and I remember, I remember being there, and maybe some of you were probably there, and I shared like, hey, I feel like called to ministry. I'm going to do this with my life, which means I can't carry a vocation that regularly pays my bills. Are there people here who can, who can help me? 
And people slowly started to plant the seed. And from this church was the initial seed that was planted. And through that, many years, over a decade of service. And I'm just a piece of the puzzle. But the largest piece of our family's puzzle in able to do this is you guys. Is month after month people saying, yeah, I'm, I'm in Grand Prairie. But you know what? This opportunity is there. And God has called me to support to be a part of the solution, to be a part of the puzzle. And so I'm going to serve them with my finances, with what God's given me. Thank you from the bottom of my heart and my wife's heart and our family's heart and the staff who get salaries heart and the girls who are impacted from their heart. Thank you. The most common question asked is, yeah, but how does this happen in the first place? And so about a month ago, I received this text. It says, Andrew, we received a 12-year-old girl to the shelter in the north. Her family were in trouble and very poor, and her, fam- and her father was very sick. They didn't have any money to take him to the hospital, so the family had to borrow money to get him admitted. And her father didn't get any better and ended up dying. So after the father died, the family couldn't pay back the loan. The lender took the only thing of value. This is just a few months ago, by the way. He took the girl. He took the girl to his house to pay the debt. The girl was forced to work hard, and the girl was forced to do whatever the owner wanted her to do. Our team investigated and learned the truth of the situation. Then they helped pay back the money, and they redeemed her from there. She is now in our care, and she's safe. She has a chance to study. She has a chance to get to know God. And to serve God in the church. And that's, it's great news. It's, it's honestly great to receive the text. But the first line that we received, a 12-year-old girl, really struck, stuck out to me. Not because of her age, but because of the reality for, for me personally. Um, my first time visiting the country was 12 years ago. And I realized, like, whoa, I put, put in a lot of effort. A lot of time, a lot of travel. We've put in a lot of resources as a community into this, and there's still cracks to be filled. There's still cracks to be filled. There's still work to be done. There's still serving that needs to occur. So we have the choice whether to respond or not, and not just respond with, well, maybe I can do something. I'm like a both feet on the gas pedal sort of guy. And I've had a few people ask, ask this uh, in the last few days, like, oh, what can I do? It's like, well, you can put both feet on the gas pedal too if you want to get really crazy. And stop at nothing saying, God, my life is yours. My wallet is yours. My time, it's yours. My relationships, it's yours. My skill set, my vocation. My wife, for example, was six years in university to become a nurse. It would go against all wisdom to, stop, to nurse what she nursed for like six months and then move overseas and never nurse again. And that's exactly what happened. It's not in earthly wisdom that we do things all the time. It's sometimes just keeping both feet on the gas pedal towards the people that you want to serve no matter what. And as a congregation in this season... Um, I know it's been rough. I've talked to several people, especially like people from an older generation. It's hard without a leader right now. 
And your elders are awesome guys with awesome hearts. It truly is. But it doesn't mask the fact that it's really hard at this church right now. And families have left because it's hard. And it's been discouraging for some people and different and weird. And it's all those things. But in a deep commitment to the people that you want to serve, all of that stuff is honestly behind you at this point. And now it's opportunity of saying, well, who are we going to serve and at what cost? And my dream is that as a congregation, together with all the unique skill sets and giftings in this that you've received from Christ and Christ alone, you would give those back and you just put both feet on the gas pedal and say, okay, we're going to go and we're going to go do this now. We're going to reach this nation. We're going to reach this region with the good news that Jesus heals. There's still lots of cracks. There's cracks in this community as well. In, in trafficking, in case you're not well-versed in trafficking, I kind of break it down into four segments. There's a recruitment stage, the initial touch point. For our, uh, for our country, uh, it's a source country because it's very poor. So lots of people are trafficked from where we are and outward to other countries. But this happens like online as well with your sons and your daughters. That people are trying to reach out and, and touch points with them, which leads to the next level, which is a grooming season. Where our sons and our daughters, and in our case, whether they're overseas or here, predators are preying on like innocent people. We're all aware that this happens. At least you should be. And most of the girls, like we help, 60% of them are under 16 years old. So they're just doing what adults are telling them to do to be like, to think like. It leads to kind of a third section, which is a breaking. And I don't need to go into detail what that looks like, but typically either by force or coercion or intense social pressure, trauma is inflicted. And once that happens, it kind of leads to the last part of the cycle, which I call control, where a girl feels unworthy, unlucky, broken, bruised, she feels like she's worthless, and this is just what her life is now. There's no value there. And even with her intentions at the beginning to serve her family well, because that's the vast majority of young girls, that's what they're doing. They're serving their family wholeheartedly. And in the same way that you would tell your wife, I would do anything for you, that is what the oldest girl in the family is doing for her, for her family, who's extremely poor. So, I'm wondering, and it's... I wrote this down when I was considering this. I'm, I have two girls. They're the cutest girls. One has like jet white hair and blue eyes. I have no idea. We call her the albino rhino. Um, and she's 100% wild. So I'm terrified for the future. But for now, it's crazy and fun. Um, but dads, whether your daughter is two seconds old or 100 years old, um, everyone wants to control her mind almost regardless of age, really. And would you be the loudest voice in her mind? Saying, wow, when she thinks of herself, she's a daughter of the Most High King. She is loved. She is cherished. She is deeply valuable. She is beautiful. And with all these general themes of this cycle of um, of trafficking, 
it kind of comes down to like what is the core root of the issue and now what's our response? It's like all of us are aware of it. It's kind of like, oh, what do we do now? In Psalm 10, um, the, whole, the whole chapter is incredible. Write it down if you've never read it or it doesn't come to your mind off the top of your head. Read it later because um, it'll speak to trafficking exactly what the actual issue is. The issue is evil. That's what we're fighting against here. But at the end of the chapter, verse 16, it says, The Lord is king forever and ever. The nation will perish from his land. You, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed so that merely, er, mere earthly mortals will never strike terror again. The reality of this prayer of faith is that God is already doing something. Yeah. God's already doing something. He's already doing something about your terrible situation in your life. He's working. And he's working so that we can be conformed to the image of his son. That you're not just undergoing suffering just so you can, just so you can live. That's not the point of life. It's just not survival. It's that we would conform to the likeness of Jesus. It's not overwhelming for God. And um, he's doing... He's solving these problems in a few ways. One, just by straight-up miracles. Um, I've shared before, like, the first girl that came to our safe houses was HIV positive, and uh, she was healed from that. An incurable disease, as far as we know. Simply because she read in the Bible that it was possible. She prayed one night. Just a few months ago, last year during covid our staff got a call, and um, it was a random number. And apparently, there's a community in the capital city where we serve that 90, 100 people strong, and all they do is live at the dump, and they pick through garbage every day trying to find things of value to sell. Tons of kids, the poorest of the poor, in a, already the poorest nation in Southeast Asia. And this one girl found a phone, and on this phone was one number, and she called it. And it's our staff. And our staff went back to our community, gathered up a bunch of supplies, and they've been going to this community now again and again, sharing the gospel with this desolate people. God is a God of miracles. He, he has solutions that we can't comprehend for problems that we don't even know about. God also is solving the problem and breaking the cycle of human trafficking by the hard work and commitment and consistent laboring and serving of the saints, of people like you and me, that your laboring is not done in vain, no matter what, as long as it's done for the Lord. We have one girl that came, um, it's like a really, really sad story, where she was trafficked when she was five and came to our house when she was eight, and she stayed in our house for the last 11 years. She has a mom and sisters and a family back in a village, and with all the girls, we do go back and um, make contact with her family if they have one. And so for the last 10 years, our staff have gone back. They try to share the gospel where possible, and the mom has just rejected it continually for the last decade. But the young girl in her bravery, when she's 19, now a lady in her own right, was like, I'm going to go back to my village. And she went back last year. Her mom had to go to the hospital for some reason, and while she was at the hospital, she contracted COVID herself. 
And, and the young girl, who is part of our safe home, she also got COVID. Unfortunately, she has HIV um, AIDS as well. And so it was really bad. The mom was super sick. The daughter, who's already immunocompromised from a life full of trauma, is super sick now too. In any developing hospital or country that has a hospital, it's not like they're going to take care of you. You need community members to come and serve you food, to bring you stuff. No one would touch them. No one wanted to go into the pit where the sick and desolate were, except for one crew. So for 10 years, they've been going and visiting this mom. And one last time, they gathered up their stuff, and they went with their masks on. They went to the hospital. And once again, they shared the good news of Jesus, not knowing the outcome for either of the ladies. In that moment, the quote that I got texted to me was that for the first time, she felt the care of God, the mom. And through that, she chose to believe. And I just got a text like a few weeks ago was a picture of a Bible study hosted at the mom's house. A mom who had previously sold her own daughter and for decades had said no. And yet, through God's grace, through the continual service of his people, through the relentless push to bring the gospel to everywhere, she said yes. And her heart was softened. And I got a picture, and there's like eight kids in the room now. And there's an auntie there believing too, and they're having a Bible study. The grace of God in your life is the only way you'll walk through the strongholds of evil in your life. That's true for the girls with crazy traumatic history, and it's true for you. So I want to pray for you and commission you in this land. It's been a crazy weekend. The schedule has been packed. I've talked to a gazillion people, it feels like. But it's all really good stuff. And I... I don't know about you guys, I'm like extremely hopeful about the future of this congregation of people. Are you not? Like there's great days ahead. So, can we stand together? And I'm just going to pray. Holy God, people, hear your message of redemption, and God, we give you praise. But also, God, we seek deeper relationship with you. For each individual in this room, God, that looks different. So I don't even know what to say, but God, your spirit, I pray, comes and like a whirlwind does a work in people's heart. Knowing that their giftings and their skill sets, their abilities are not their own, God, but just a gift from you. So may we give them freely. May we reach out and keep both feet on the gas to serve the people around us at no stop. That any barrier, any, any temptation that gets in our way will just be destroyed by your power, God. And that would start personally in our own hearts, in the own hurt part of our lives. That we would give it up and we would see your power work. But also, God, in our families, and our friends, and our communities, and the surrounding community. So that, God, your glory and your name will be lifted high. Higher than any other name in this place, in Grand Prairie, in the Peace region. That, God, from the rooftops, people will know you as Christ, as King. As the one who can heal and the one who can save. So, Holy Spirit, inspire the lives in this room to greatness. Maybe we've not just get satisfied 
at the current status, but God, we would seek intimate, deep relationship with you. And would you do it to the ends of the earth, God, for your glory. Amen.